was a man who was looking for a job. So he applied to an agency and was waiting for a call back. One day, the the gentleman from the agency called him and said, I have a job for you. He says, okay, well, what is the job? He said, well, you're not going to like it, but I need you to dress up like a monkey. Some of you have heard this joke. I need you to dress up like a monkey. And he, he says, I don't understand. He said, just go to the zoo tomorrow and ask to speak to the supervisor. So the man, desperate for a job, decided to go to the zoo the next day and ask to speak to the supervisor. The supervisor says, I'm glad you're here. Our monkey got sick and died yesterday. And so we need you to dress up like a monkey and pretend to do monkey things so that the visitors won't know the difference because the show must go on. So the man decided, all right, I'll give it a try. He put on the monkey suit and started running around, eating bananas and entertaining the guests. The people, as they walked by, took pictures and and, and the children would wave. and, And so the man started feeling comfortable in this state of pretending to be a monkey. That now he started to do tricks and to show off. The man, not realizing what he was doing, ended up showing off too much and tripping over and falling into the lion's den. Now we have a problem. The people stood back and watched in amazement to say, what would happen? The people were were yelling, the monkey can just jump, can just jump and get out. Now if he was a real monkey, he would be able to jump. But the monkey now, panicking because he's in the lion's den, was wondering what he should do. So he started getting ready to scream and yell for help. The lion kept coming closer and closer and closer. And just about when it looked like the lion was ready to pounce on him, he was getting ready to scream. The lion grabbed him and said, be quiet or we both lose our job. Well, once again, good morning and welcome to you. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. And we'll be starting from verse 29. Matthew chapter 20, starting from verse 29. And you just sat down, but if you are able to stand, then please stand as we read God's word. Matthew chapter 20, verse 29, and I'll be reading from the New International Version. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called to them, What do you want me to do for you? he asked. 
Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage of scripture. We thank you, Lord, because we know that you are a God who heals and a God who is capable. And so, Lord, this morning we pray that you would just speak to us, Lord. May you have your way. May you speak to each one. And may you help us to respond obediently. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. By this time... Jesus and his disciples were traveling all over. He was preaching and teaching, performing miracles and wonders. And he had by this time acquired quite a following of people. People who had seen what he had done, who had heard his teachings, and who wanted to continue to follow him, to continue to see what was happening. Now, Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, the scripture says, and surrounding him in every direction was a crowd of people. People from all over, far and wide, surrounded him and was walking with him. Obviously, the word had gotten out about the different miracles and teachings of Jesus. He was what we could call equivalent to a celebrity today, where we would see something in the news. And and the people spread it like wildfire, what Jesus was capable of doing. That even to the point that these blind men who were sitting on the roadside were aware of Jesus, were aware that he was able to heal them and what he was able to do. Now, these blind men had hope that Jesus was going to perform a miracle for them. And in verse 30, it says, They were sitting by the roadside, and when they had heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. So they knew that Jesus was passing by, and they decided to shout out, to call out to him, to get his attention so that he could do something in their lives as well. Now we have to understand that in terms of these men, it wasn't a short whisper. It wasn't a little whisper, Lord, Lord. Are you there? Can you hear me? It was a a shout. It was a call out. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. You see, they called out with expectation that Jesus would hear and that he would respond to them. But we see in the scripture that we see that they called out. And so they called out to Jesus. And, And we might ask the question of, well, why did they call out to Jesus? Why did they call out to Jesus? And the reason is because they believed that he could help them. You won't call out for help to someone that you don't think is going to be able to help you, right? You call out to someone expecting that they are going to be able to help you. And so these men called out to Jesus, believing that Jesus was able to change their circumstance. He was able to bring healing to them and to help them. And we can learn too that we too can call out to Jesus, but we must believe that he is able to help us. 
You see, a prayer without faith is almost useless. I can pray all I want, I can pray all day long, but if I don't believe that God is going to answer, then is that prayer as effective as can be? God wants us to ask, but he also wants us to believe. To believe that what we ask for, he is able to do. In Mark chapter 11, verse 24, he says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have already received it, and it will be yours. Matthew chapter 21, verse 22 says, If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, this doesn't mean that we can ask for any single thing in the world that you can go out and ask for a 6,000 square foot house or a Ferrari or a car that costs $100,000 and it's just going to magically appear in your driveway. That's not what the scripture is talking about. But Jesus is saying, ask whatever you wish. But we know that it is within his will. That when we ask according to his will and plan and purpose for our lives, that we will get it. You see, if we are walking in the will of God, and if we are centering our lives on him, then our desires and our wants will line up with his will. And so when we ask for something in his will, that is, according to his plan, he will give it to us. You see, if it's going to glorify him, then he's going to give it to us. If we're asking for something that is not going to glorify God in any way, shape, or form, then most likely he's not going to give it to us. And so ask yourself this. If there are prayers that you have been praying and saying, God, I want this, or how come you have haven't done this in my life, or how come you haven't given me that? Ask yourself the question of, is this, first of all, in the will of God for my life, and is this going to glorify Him? Because it needs to be in His will. And when we ask according to His will, whatever we want in His name, it will be given to us. He wants us to ask, He wants us to call out to Him, but He wants us to believe. To believe that he is able to do it. We must pray believing. Do you believe that God is able? Do you believe that he is able to change your situation? To change your circumstance? To bring healing to your body, to your family, to restore relationships, to do all of that? If so, not only call out to him, but believe. Because he wants us to not only call out, but to believe. These men obviously believed that Jesus was able to help to change their situation and to heal them. And so they shouted out to Jesus. But then we see in verse 31, the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. So these men sitting on the roadside hear that Jesus is passing by and they call out to him. But instead of the crowd encouraging Jesus to go over to these men sitting on the roadside, they told them to be quiet. They tried to silence them. What the crowd was doing was basically saying, Jesus is so important that he doesn't have time for you. Jesus 
is, has many more things to do. He's a busy man, and he doesn't have any time for two blind men sitting on the roadside. So the crowd tried to silence them, to tell them to be quiet, to help them understand that they were not important. These men could have easily become discouraged. They could have easily stopped. They could have easily just turned away and and walked away disappointed. But instead, the second part of verse 31 says, But they shouted all the louder. They shouted all the louder. They shouted out even louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Why? Because they believed and because they were at that point of desperation, of believing this is our hope. We have heard about Jesus. We knew that he was doing these things in these people's lives, and we want that too. Lord, we want you to hear us. We don't want you to go by, but we want to get your attention, and we want you to bring about healing in our lives. You see, these men were determined to get Jesus' attention. They were determined, and they did not let anyone get in the way of them interacting and encountering Jesus. They were determined. They weren't going to let anyone get in the way. You see, I believe that it is important for us to be mindful and to, to a certain extent, care about the opinions of others. Right? We can't live our lives saying we don't care about anything and anyone. I think it's important that we do, we are mindful and we do care about the opinions of others and that we take them into consideration. But I feel that sometimes we care a little bit too much to the point of when it comes to personal decisions, especially when it concerns spirituality, we are too concerned about what other people think that we begin to let them make our decisions for us. Are you following me? That we begin to let them dictate what we should and should not do, what we can and cannot do, how we should live and what we should do with our time and our energy and our money. You see, we have to be careful not to let other people get in the, in the way of our relationship with Jesus. And too easily we may allow that to happen and not really understand that it is happening. These men were not about to just sit back and be quiet and let Jesus pass by. But they were determined to encounter with him, to meet with him, to get a blessing from him, to have him come and be in their lives. You see, there will always be people in our lives who will try to put down God and religion and turn us away from it. Maybe you know some of those people. There will always be those people that come up in our lives, and maybe not in a direct way, but they are there. Maybe some co-workers that you work with. Maybe they are the ones who get in the way by mocking you because you choose to pray before eating your lunch. 
and they mock you for that or you choose to on your break time instead of go out and smoke with them or gossip or do something else you choose to maybe read your devotional in that time or or to call and encourage someone or pray on your own or whatever it may be and so do you allow your co-workers to get in the way of your relationship with Jesus Maybe it's your friends, your friends who try to get you to go out late on Saturday night and tell you you can just sleep in Sunday morning, that you don't need to go to church, that if you go to church once in a while, it's good enough. Maybe it's your friends or the group of friends that you hang out with that are getting in the way of your relationship with Jesus. It could even be family Family could get in the way of your relationship by Jesus. Maybe some who think you go to church too often. And, and, and Sundays may be the only time you need to go to church, but why would you choose to go to church on a Wednesday evening for Bible study or a Tuesday small group or to volunteer at youth group on Friday nights or, or to, to help with the perfect fit on a Saturday or to go to celebrate recovery on a Thursday or any of those things. But Sunday morning for an hour and a half to two hours should be sufficient. And they might be the ones who start to get in the way of your relationship with Jesus. It could even be a spouse who thinks that you're giving too much money to the church, that you shouldn't be giving so much, or you shouldn't give at all. You see, some of the closest people to us can often be the people that we allow to get in the way of our relationship with Jesus. And this doesn't mean that we should be negative towards them, but it should mean that we desire to have a close, personal, and intimate with Jesus relationship with him no matter who comes in our way and tells us otherwise that should be our goal to be in a relationship with Jesus and not allow anyone else to get in the way of that these men were so determined to be in that relationship to get in the presence of God to have Jesus hear them that they called out to him the scripture says even louder. Have you ever tried to get someone's attention in a crowd? I know I have. And you know, especially if it's really crowded and loud, it's hard to get someone's attention. And sometimes you have to raise your voice louder than you normally would because you're trying to get someone's attention. Now think about this. You're in a crowd, maybe this has happened, and you realize that your child or grandchild who was next to you is no longer next to you. And there's a crowd of people all around. Are you going to just call out, oh, oh, Jimmy, Jimmy, are you there? Most likely not. There seems to now be this desperation setting in to not only call out, but cry out and say, Jimmy, Jimmy, where are you? Jimmy, and you're looking all over. You're now at a point of desperation where it's not just I want to find him, but I need to find him. 
You see, when we get to that point of desperation with Jesus, it's no longer, I want Jesus, but I need Jesus. It's no longer that if I go to church on a Sunday, that's sufficient, but I need to be in the house of the Lord. I need to have fellowship with my brothers and sisters. I need to be in constant prayer and communion with God. Because you see, apart from Him, we are nothing. And it is only in Him that we find our meaning and our purpose and our being in life. And when we get to that point in our life where everything may seem to be going wrong, that is especially when we need to get desperate. That is especially when we need to understand that He is our only hope, that there is nothing left. And last week I talked about how we can turn to all of these different things in the world to try to satisfy us and to fill us. But it is only Jesus who can fill that desperation. That need of not only I want that, but I need that. I need thee every hour. I need him. It's like air. We can't survive without it. It's like water for so long. I can only go so long without it, but I need it to survive. Did you know that you can survive on just water without food? But you need the water. I need him. We need to get desperate to Jesus. We need to get desperate enough that we don't allow anyone else to get in our way. Like I'm looking for Jimmy and people are telling me to be quiet or stop, but I'm not going to because I don't just want to find Jimmy. I need to find Jimmy. And no matter who comes in your life and tells you, don't pray so much, or don't give so much, or don't go to church so much, or you don't have to do all of that, we need to silence those voices and just concentrate on Him. Don't let anyone get in the way of your relationship with Jesus. And I say that it is a relationship, because people will categorize, technically, Christianity as a religion. And it is. If you categorize it, it is a religion. However, it's not religion that saves us. It's a relationship with Jesus. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, the Son. It is only through Him. That is the most important relationship that we will ever have in this life. And we not only want it, but we should need it so desperately that we desire it day by day and we don't let anyone get in the way of our relationship with God. You see, those people that we may look to for different opinions and their perspective and who may sway us in different ways... When we think about the fact that, you know, we care so much about what other people think. If I care about what Mr. Khan thinks all the time, that all of my decisions and all of my actions are based on that, then I'm not living a life obedient to God. I'm living to try to please Mr. Khan. And at the end of the day, when we stand before God, it's not about anybody else, but it's about us and him. It's about him and it's about me. It's about the relationship that I had. And he says that he wants us to be obedient to him. You see, if we deny him, 
before men, then he will deny us before his Father. If we are ashamed of him in front of other people, then he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. And so the most important relationship we can ever have is a relationship with Jesus. And don't let anyone get in the way of that relationship that you have. You see, these men were desperate. And not only were they desperate, but they were persistent. They were persistent to get to Jesus. They were persistent to get his attention. And not only these men, but different people in the Bible, when we look at different passages of Scripture, there's a story of a woman who had the issue of blood. And this woman was bleeding for over 12 years, the Scripture says, and and nothing could help her. She spent all the money she had, she saw the very best doctors, and nobody was able to help her. And all this woman wanted was to touch the hem of his garment. To touch him, not even to say anything to him, but just touch him because she was desperate. She was in that state of desperation and she believed. She was desperate and she believed. There's a story of the centurion and he wanted Jesus to to heal his slave who was so desperately ill, almost to the point of dying. And, And Jesus was willing to go and he said, Lord, you don't even have to go to my house. All you have to do is say the word and I believe that it's going to be done. His faith is what healed that slave. His faith. Jesus didn't even have to go and touch him, but the centurion believed. You see, God wants us not only to call upon him, but to believe. To believe. You see, we have this state of mind and this mentality to know when something is a little too good to be true. Right? If I tell you, I'm going to give you a million dollars. Andrea, you're probably going to ask, what's the catch? Or what do I have to do? Or or, where did you even get that money? (laughs) Or, you know, whatever. It's too good to be true. But you see, if I tell a child, if I tell a child that I'm going to, to buy them something that may be too good to be true in our eyes, they're going to believe. They're going to hope that they're going to get it. And they're going to believe me until I prove them wrong. They're going to believe. God calls us to have that childlike faith, to believe, to trust, to know that he is a God of his word, that he is not a man that he will lie, but that he is true to his word. These men had a persistent faith. They had a faith that was not going to give up. Verse 32 says, Jesus stopped and called to them. Jesus saw their faith and he called to them and he asked, What do you want me to do for you? Verse 33, Lord, they answered, We want our sight. That's what we want. We want to see. We want you to restore our sight. And then it says in verse 34, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. You see, when we have persistent faith, it gets the Lord's attention. When our faith is persistent, it gets God's attention. What does it mean to be persistent? Well, the dictionary definition that I found says continuing firmly in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. 
It means continuing no matter what comes your way and tells you to stop or comes up against you, but you are determined to get to that person. You are determined to complete that. You are determined to finish that. And that is what God wants for us to have a persistent faith that no matter what comes up, no matter who tries to silence us, no matter what obstacles come up, we are going to believe because he calls us to believe. Jesus had compassion on them. In many of the scriptures, it talks about Jesus seeing their faith and saying, your faith has made you well. Because of your faith, you are healed. You see, God wants us to call on him and to believe and have faith and to trust and to know that he is able. These men's persistent faith got the Lord's attention. It got his attention. There's an acronym, maybe you've heard of it, and it's PUSH, P-U-S-H, PUSH. And I want you to remember this, pray until something happens. When you're in difficulty, persist, push forward, keep going, don't stop, pray until something happens happens. May we be people who continue to push. May we be people who continue to press on. May we be people who persist even when difficulty and opposition come our way. Jesus asked these men, what do you want me to do for you? I believe today he asks us the same question. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you in your circumstance, in your life, in your family, in your job situation, in your health, in your finances, in your relationships, in your relationship with him? You see, there are so many things that we might need from the Lord. We are at different points and walks in life, different situations, but today it might be what you might need is for a health issue for him to answer a health challenge that you've been having to bring healing to your body in some way maybe a job situation like Carlene shared about her job situation maybe that is it maybe your job is not secure you've been looking for a job for so long and have not found anything yet maybe that is what you need him to do for you today Maybe it's a relationship with your family, immediate or extended, where things have not been the best and you need him to bring about peace and harmony and love and calm that situation. Maybe you need God to help you to wait on his timing. Maybe things have not gone the way you have expected, but you need him to help you to wait and to be patient and to trust. Maybe there's a problem in your marriage that you need God to help you with. Maybe the issue is that you need help forgiving someone who has wronged you, and you need him to help you to forgive. Maybe the issue could be issues with your kids or grandchildren. Maybe it could be salvation for loved ones that you so desperately need him to answer. Or maybe today your prayer is not even for yourself, but it's on behalf of someone else that you are just crying out to the Lord for, who has been on your heart and that has been a burden. You see, no matter what it is, we can take it to the Lord in prayer. We can go to Him. We can push. We can persist. We can believe because He is able.
Don't allow the Lord to go by without getting that blessing, without getting his attention, without running to him in desperation. There's a beautiful hymn, and and many of you might know it. It's called, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. And the refrain says, Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Don't allow the Lord to pass you by, but get his attention. Call on him, believing that he will help you, believing that he can help you. Don't let others get in the way of your relationship with the Lord and persistent faith. Continue to persist in your faith, knowing that that is what gets his attention. As the worship team comes, I want to invite you to stand with me. And if there's something that you need to come and to pray about today, know that this is where it needs to happen. We all have a need, whether it be a physical, financial, spiritual, emotional, family, whatever that may be. Do you believe that God is able to help you? If so, come and cry out to him. Come and petition to him. Come and push and pray until something happens. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you are still in the business of performing miracles. And we thank you that even today in our service, we heard two praise reports of what you are still doing in the lives of your people. And Lord, you know the hearts and the lives of each one here today. You know exactly what each one is going through and what they need from you. And Lord, as these two blind men were determined to get your attention, Lord, today we cry out because we are determined once again to get your attention, that you will not pass us by, but that we will not leave until we have an encounter with the one true living God. And so I pray for each one that you would search their hearts, that you would know their needs, and that indeed, Lord, you would help to respond and to answer those needs. So, Lord, we look to you. Show us your ways. Teach us your truth. And may you move in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we sing, feel free to come.